Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Christianity is first and foremost a proclamation of what God has done. And this is so important for us to understand. And quite frankly, this is something that is missed very, very often in the church. Oftentimes preachers get this wrong. Oftentimes the focus is upon behavior. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, in a message titled, What God Has Done. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So today we're going to pick up in our study in Colossians. We're here just in the early part of the first chapter. And today we're going to focus in on verses 12 through 14, where Paul having prayed, then he goes into a moment of thanksgiving to God for the things that God has done for us. And that's our focus today the things that God has done for us. That's what we want to talk about. When people in general think of the Christian faith, when they think of what it means to be a Christian, they quite often, maybe even most often, think of things you do or things you stop doing to become or be a Christian. So in the minds of so many people, Christianity is basically about what you do, things that you do. And the emphasis just almost always seems to be on you and your performance and and so forth. But you know, that is not what Christianity is first and foremost all about. What Christianity is first and foremost all about is what God has done. The great British preacher from the mid-20th to the late 20th century, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he put it like this. Let me read it to you. He said, this idea is as current today as it has ever been that the message of Christianity is to call us to do something to put ourselves right, to put the world right, to stop this, to stop that. But the very first principle of Christianity denies that completely. It is the exact opposite. Christianity is first and foremost a proclamation of what God has done. That's what Christianity is. It's first and foremost a proclamation of what God has done. And this is so important for us to understand. And quite frankly, this is something that is missed very, very often in the church. Oftentimes preachers get this wrong. Oftentimes the message coming from a pulpit, it really comes down to things you should do, things you shouldn't do. The focus is upon behavior. Now, behavior certainly has a place in our Christian lives, but it's not the first place. Behavior is a result of something else. And 
The Bible itself, and Paul in particular, lays out scripture in such a way as to where he always emphasizes initially what God has done for us. I'll give you just a couple of quick examples. The book of Romans, which is considered many to be the the most thorough doctrinal presentation of the Christian faith, the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters are dedicated to what God has done. The first eight chapters are specifically dealing with what God has done for us in Christ. Chapters 9 through 11 talks about what God has done and will do for the people of Israel in the future. And it's not till you get to chapter 12 that you actually get to the personal application. And so chapter 12 begins with these words. There Paul says, Therefore, I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So when he says, therefore, he's connecting back to everything he's been saying. So what he's doing is is he is finally appealing them, appealing to them regarding their behavior, but he's doing it based on everything he's already said to them. So he's already told them about the grace of God and the love of God and how Christ died for us and God demonstrated his love for us and you know how we've been filled with the spirit and, and there's no condemnation and all of those things. He's already told us all that. And then he gets to the point of now, because this is the case, you do this. We find the same thing in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. That letter, he basically for the first three chapters, actually three and a half or so chapters, it's just an an exposition of all the goodness of God toward us. And then after doing that for three and a half chapters, then he comes again to therefore you, and then he calls us to live a certain way. So that's the way the scripture is laid out. And it's laid out that way intentionally because our behavior is a response to what God has done. You see, God is the initiator. We are the responder. And so we always have to keep that perspective when we think about these things. And so here at the end of Paul's prayer, in verse 12, Paul again, reminds us of the things that God has done. And here he reminds us of five things. These are the five things that we want to look at. But let me read it to you. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has, number one, qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Secondly, he has delivered us from the power of darkness Third, he has conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Fourth, in whom we have redemption, he has redeemed us through his blood. And then fifthly and finally, we have through him the forgiveness of sins. And so those are the things that we want to focus on. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. There are many other things that in in different places in the biblical text where Paul or the other writers are giving us insight and understanding into what God has done. But this is a good few points here, these five points. And I like 
breaking it down a little bit into the five points because those are, you know, five points are still manageable. You know, if I wanted to give you 10 points today, 10 points, it's like, okay, I'm gonna maybe remember three of those. But, you know, five's a little more manageable and they're right here in the passage so we can go back and refer to them again. But let's look at each one of these beginning with the first one that Paul mentions here and he mentions qualified. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the saints in the light. Partakers with the saints in the light. So the first thing that God has done for us, he has qualified us. Now, we all probably have had some experience in life where we have been told that we are not qualified for a particular thing, whatever it might be. We, we might have even had a situation where we've been disqualified. Disqualified is a little bit different. It's, it looks like you know, you're gonna be qualified and then when everything finally settles, no, nope, sorry, you, you're disqualified for this. So being unqualified or being disqualified, that is the state that we were in by nature when it came to the inheritance that God has. The inheritance that God has, we did not qualify for it. Cheryl and I are just now, we're in a process of refinancing our home. And, you know, in order to do that, you have to go through all of this paperwork and these things. But basically, the, what it comes down to is, do you qualify? Do you qualify for this loan? And hopefully we're going to qualify. Everything is going to be fine. But I, I've had experiences in life where I have not qualified for certain things. I've had experiences in life where I have been disqualified. And when we think of the, the human condition, our state in sin, that has disqualified us from the inheritance that God has for people. But what has God done? Well, this is the great news. He has qualified us. He has qualified us. He has stepped in and basically done for us what we could not do for ourselves. There was no way that I could qualify myself. When you, you know, look at all of the paperwork, when you look at all of, uh, of the background and everything, you know, you're going to have to just recognize that, no, you know, Brian, Brian doesn't qualify for this inheritance. But the Lord says, no, I will qualify him. And that's what God has done for us, for his people. He has qualified us so that we will then partake of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So God has this inheritance. God has these riches. You know, again, think of an inheritance. If you think of that like we normally do, you're thinking of, of some great amount of money perhaps, or maybe some property or, you know, something that was left to you by a rich relative. And so you've got an inheritance coming. Well, God has an inheritance for his people, for the saints. And although we are by nature disqualified, what Paul is telling us here 
is that God has qualified us. How has he qualified us? He's qualified us through the righteousness of Christ being imputed to our account. So, you know, when you're talking about like qualifying, maybe like for a loan or something like that, you're looking here and, you know, so here's a paper, my name's on it. And then there's a stamp there and the stamp is basically in red, unqualified or disqualified. So when we're looking at our own lives and how we measure up to the requirement for this inheritance of the saints in the light, we've got that same stamp. All of us have that same stamp, unqualified, disqualified. But what God does through Christ is he takes the righteousness of Jesus. This is the the wonder of the gospel. We are sinners. We fall short. We are unqualified. We are disqualified. Jesus is righteous. He lives according to God's standard. And then he dies in the place of those who fall short. And then God takes the righteousness of Jesus and he places that on our account. That's what imputed righteousness means. It means it's a righteousness that is given to us that is not intrinsic to us, but it's from outside of us. And so we have this imputed righteousness so that disqualified stamp is uh, stamped over by Christ. And now we have been qualified. So whenever you feel, and which we sometimes do, Whenever you feel unworthy, whenever you question whether you're good enough to be part of God's family, to, to truly be one of his heirs, to you know, make it simple to inherit heaven at the end of your life, when, whenever you have doubts about that because you're looking at your own failures and so forth, know this, that when God looks at your account, he sees qualified, stamped boldly right there across your account, across my account, because that is the work that Christ did for us. And that is just the the idea there as well of there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, outside of Christ, we're disqualified, we're condemned. But in Christ, having put our faith in Christ, We are qualified, and now we are heirs of God, and we are joint heirs with Christ, and we are heirs together with the saints in the light. We're we're partaking in that. So, number one, qualified us. Secondly, Paul tells us that he delivered us. And what did he deliver us from? He delivered us from the power of darkness. He delivered us from the power of darkness. The Bible teaches that there are dark, powerful forces that rule the world and that control the lives of people who are outside of Christ. The biblical teaching is that the whole world lies in the grasp of the evil one. You know, we should not be surprised when we see our world uh, exploding. We should not be surprised when we see the things that we see happening around us, when we see the hatred and the violence and the 
prejudice and we see all of these different things. We should not be surprised because these are just the manifestations of a world that is in the grip of the powers of darkness. And that is where we all at one time were ourselves. We, we were there in that place. Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, he stated it like this. He said that you, we were in the past dead in our trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience. So this is our previous state. But again, through the work of Christ, he has delivered us from the powers of darkness. So we're no longer held captive by the enemy. You know, before I was a Christian, I didn't know that this was the case at the time. At least I didn't know how to explain the state that I was in. I know now, before I was a Christian, I was bound in sin. I was bound in sin. I was in the prison house of sin. I was not able to free myself from that. And this is exactly what the Bible teaches. Paul said in writing to Timothy, he spoke about those who were taken captive by the devil to do his will. And so the devil takes people captive. And that is the the state of man naturally because of sin We are in this bondage to sin and under the control of Satan. And not only are we we bound in sin, but we are blinded by the enemy to our true condition. Paul puts it this way in writing to the Corinthians. He says that the God of this age, that's his reference to Satan. The God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So this is part of the work of the devil, that he binds us and he blinds us to the truth. He keeps us in this bondage. He he keeps us in captivity and we don't have any means ourselves of liberating ourselves from that. I think back before I was a Christian and again, now understanding what was happening back then, I didn't understand it. And I remember doing things that were, I knew they were wrong. I knew they were destructive I knew they were harmful to myself and other people, but I didn't really know how to stop doing them. And even times when I would make an effort to say, you know, I'm I'm not going to do that again. I know this is not helping me. I know this is harmful. I'm going to stop this. I'm not going to do this. I would find that even though I, I wanted to stop doing it, I couldn't stop doing it. I was in this bondage. So like I'm saying, when I was there, I didn't know what it was. I knew by experience that I was doing things I didn't want to do. And I was bound to that. And you know, this is a story of so many people today, people who are in bondage to drugs and to alcohol and to, you know, various destructive lifestyles. And, you know, they have sometimes these moments where they realize you know, I'm in captivity. I need to get out of this. They don't really know what it is or how to be freed from it. But the answer is 
They need to be delivered from the power of darkness. And of course, again, Christ is the deliverer. He's the one who comes and he sets the captive free. And so he has delivered us from the power of darkness and he has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He has conveyed us, or another way to translate that word is transferred. So we have been transferred out of that kingdom of darkness and that world where we were held in captivity and we were blinded to the reality of God. Again, just thinking back on my own experience, you know, back in those days, I just, I couldn't even fathom the, the idea of knowing God. I would hear people talk about how God spoke to them and how God was guiding their lives and things like that. And I, that was like a foreign language to me. It was like, what, is, what does that even mean? How could that even happen? You see, I was in bondage to sin and I was under the dominion of the enemy living in the kingdom of darkness. But then through that work of Christ and through me simply embracing what Jesus did, God took me and he did the same for you and everyone else who's ever put their trust in Christ. He transferred us out of that kingdom of darkness and he placed us in the kingdom of the son of his love. You know, when Paul was sent to preach the gospel by Jesus, you remember the story how Paul was on his way actually to Damascus to apprehend Christian people there and to take them back to Jerusalem for trial that they would be imprisoned or executed. And as he was making his way to Damascus, you remember he saw a light that was brighter than the noonday sun and a voice began to speak to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. When Paul rehearses that story later on in his life to King Agrippa, he tells King Agrippa that something that Jesus said to him, it was very, very fascinating. Jesus said to Paul, he said, I am sending you to the Gentiles to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. That's what Paul's mission was. That's what the gospel does. It turns us from darkness to light. It transfers us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, here's an interesting reality that we need to be clear about. The kingdom of God is both already here and yet not fully here. And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. Today, there are so many things swirling around in the culture regarding sexuality, regarding the body, regarding ideas like, well, my body says I'm one thing, but my mind tells me I'm something else. How do we make sense of this stuff? Are there biblical answers 
And yes, there are. My good friend Sam Albury has written a book called What God Has to Say About Our Bodies. And in it, he's going to address the issues of same-sex relations. He's going to address transgenderism and several other things that pertain to our bodies. And he's going to address these current issues. He's going to do it in a very biblically sound way and a very loving and gracious way at the same time. So I want to highly recommend What God Has to Say About Our Bodies by Sam Albury. Check it out. Again, this month's resource is a book titled, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury. You can order the book, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies by Sam Albury. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Colossians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.